Welcome to Trip Talk, or I should say Utah Lit. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Family secrets, coping with regret and loss and forgiveness. It's all in our inaugural book club selection, The Ordinary Truth by Jana Richmond. And we're launching this new monthly book club with the author on the Google Hangout today. Jana Richmond is joining me. And Jana, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to Jan be here. Jana Richmond is the author of a memoir, Writing in the Shadows of Saints, uh, a woman's story of motorcycling the Mormon Trail. She's also written two novels, The Last Cowgirl, which won the 2009 Willa Award for Contemporary Fiction, and the subject of our discussion today, The Ordinary Truth. She lives in Escalante, Utah, and that's where she's joining us today. Also with us for the hour, Salt Lake Tribune Features reporter Ellen Wiest. Ellen, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And columnist and extreme bibliophile, Ann Cannon. Ann, hi. <laughs> Hello. I'm happy to be here, too. And, of course, this is a book club. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a cheese ball for the after party. Sorry, Jana. <laughs> we'll have to send you a slice oh. of that later. Um, <laughs> and now we, we really need you, our viewers. If you've got questions for Jana Richmond or comments about her book, The Ordinary Truth, um, send them along to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google+. Post them on our Utah Lit Facebook page, or you can, of course, put them in the comments section of our website, sltrib.com. Um, Jana, my colleague Ellen sent around a New York Times piece about an author who crashed a book club incognito and he was really excited about it until some of those in attendance started criticizing elements of the story and he sort of grew very embarrassed and self-conscious. So uh, I guess I'm wondering how do you feel sitting here with us today <laughs> talking about your book? It's scary. <laughs> 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 no, it, I'm I'm happy to be here. I've done book clubs before, and and I do want people to speak freely. And sometimes the, having the author present uh, means that they hold back a little bit. So people should speak freely, say what they want to say, and I'll I'll be tough about it. Okay, well, we're, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. Um, for those who haven't fi finished the book, and there are those in every book club that I've ever been in, <laughs> maybe, um, Jana, you can give us the basic plot line to begin our discussion. Ah, sure, maybe. <laughs> um, it, it's always hard to kind of encapsulate a book that way, but it's, it's a book about family relationships, about love, about loss, about death, about secrets, about lies, about consequences that uh, you never thought those secrets would lead to. And it's a book about relationship to a place, relationship to um, uh, the land, and then underlying that whole story is the water issue. And uh, the, the water issue is uh, is the pipeline that Las Vegas wants to build that kind of would kind of drain this this book is set in Spring Valley Nevada and and it's about the pipeline that Las Vegas City wants to build that would drain those valleys of um, north of them so it, it centers on uh, these three characters three generations um, Nell uh, her daughter Katie and her daughter Cassie and um, you told our colleague Lisa Karakaburu that the characters in this book um, are characters that you've lived with and, and developed over a period of a long period of time. Um, can you can you give us a sense of what the writing process is from your vantage point? 
Yeah, I did carry these characters around with me since the late 90s and just never had a place to put them. But I wanted to write a story about three generations of women in the same family. And I wanted to look at issues from the perspectives of those age groups. And so I carried these three women around with me forever, but never really had a place to put them. Um, there were also a lot of other ideas that I wanted to explore. I wanted to explore ideas of motherhood, I, uh, especially when that doesn't go well or when it's not always fully embraced. I wanted to share, uh, explore ideas of um, things that we do, secrets that we keep, lies that we, little lies that we tell, that we think we do for the right reasons. And it ends up um, turning out not the way we thought it would turn out. I wanted to explore issues of loss, death, what happens when um, uh, a very important person is yanked out of someone's life. I wanted to explore issues of um, marriage, what happens when a child is introduced to a, into a marriage that's very passionate and very close. So I had a lot of ideas just kind of rolling around in my head, but none of them really, they didn't really coalesce into a book until the water issue came along, and I thought, that's a place I can put all those characters, see, I mean, what, well, see what they do with it. Well, I mean, what was it about the water wars, the, the Nevada water pipeline that really set the right place for these characters? Uh, it is that place where the Old West collides with the New West. It is that place where there's a lot of tension and it's really easy for all of us to uh, pick a side and say, well, I, I think I did that. I think the pipeline idea is a bad idea. But it's a complex thing, too. It's, there are not good people on one side and bad people on another side. It, there are good people all around, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And so I love that complexity of that issue, and I love the place, love that area of the country. So I just thought that's a good place to plop all these characters and all these ideas that I've been carrying around for so long. And you grew up in, in Utah's West Desert. I did. Twilla. Mm -hmm. All right. Author Jana Richmond is our guest, and we're talking about her book, The Ordinary Truth. It's our selection for uh, January's Utah Lit Book Club, and um, keeping the book club discussion lively, Tribune columnist Ann Cannon and features writer Ellen Wiest, and you're welcome to join us as well. Send your comments and questions to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can post them in our Utah Lit Facebook page or put them in the comments section here at sltrib.com. Um, Ellen, what worked for you in this story? Well, one of the things that um, really won us over in deciding that this book would be our inaugural pick um, for our Utah Lit Book Club was just the ambition of the story. Um, Jana talked about the New West and the Old West um, clash, and I think that the, I, the, the ambition of setting this three generations against a very modern kind of um, argument that's going on right now was really compelling to us as readers. And I think that, that it, it invokes lots of lively conversations. I um, live here, but my brother it lives in Las Vegas, and these are the kinds of issues that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things that I really applaud Jana's ambition to tell this big story. And the, the urban versus rural 
Um, obviously, Jana, you, you you come down against the pipeline side, but you're you 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 show the gray areas of that issue. Um, I'm wondering if you'd read a passage um, from the book, uh, page 313, that really explores uh, the flip side of uh, the water issue. It makes it um, not quite as clear sometimes. Yeah, one thing I wanted to do was that I do want to show the complexity of the issue. And as a writer, I think my job is to uh, raise questions and um, explore the difficulty of all of these issues that we face. So that was uh, that's why I placed one one character on the pro side of the water issue, and uh, this is her speaking in this passage. Her that this is Katie speaking. You talk about the people of Las Vegas as if they chose between two options, owning a large ranch or making $15 an hour dealing cards at a casino, and deliberately decided on the life of so-called glitter and greed. You call them spoiled brats in a city of swimming pools and golf courses and luxury condos. Do you not understand the privilege you were born into here? Do you not see your own arrogance here, insisting that you be able to continue this life of pastoral entitlement unhampered because it somehow represents God and country and everything righteous? There are 300 million people in the United States alone. You don't think some of those 300 million yearn for a few thousand acres of land in the water to go with it, along with the damn near free use of several hundred thousand acres of public land? You live a life of privilege here and pretend you don't. You would have those who can't afford your lifestyle then sacrifice their lives for yours? Go without water so you don't have to give up your way of life? What exactly is the difference between your viewpoint and the wealthy developers who built Las Vegas? Hmm. And I think that passage really does illustrate that there is another viewpoint. It muddies the water, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, and Jana, you did it very well um, in, in the book. Um, Ann Cannon, uh, describe something that, that felt authentic to you about this book. One of the things that I really, really loved about this book um, are the descriptions of the landscape. Just the, the sense of uh, place that permeates this book really struck me. I just, I loved that. I read some of them out loud to my husband as I was reading this book. Um, and I'll tell you something else I really liked about this book, because this is a relationship that I don't see often dealt with, but um, the effect of fathers on daughters. You know, having a father there and not having a father there, it's, it's something that is very powerful, um, and yet you don't see it explored very often. So I love that that was one of the relationships, even though this is a book about complicated relationships with women. I, I love that there was that father-daughter element as well. I thought that was just great. And Henry, uh, the father, is not to be. He is not in the picture uh, as a, an active character, but yet right. we see in the flashbacks and he becomes very, very real and you sense that, that extreme connection between um, uh, Henry and his daughter and his wife. I mean, their right. passions on a, a, a very different level. Um, and, and Jana, I assume that was intentional. Yeah, one of the one of the ideas that I carried around for a long time was my mother lost her father, and she adored him the same way Kate adored Henry in the book. She lost her father when she was thirteen, 
And I always thought, uh, my mother was quite a sad woman, and I always thought that it had a lot to do with um, her father being taken away from her at that really um, formative age. And so I thought it shot her life off into a different trajectory that it would not have gone in had that not happened. So I wanted to uh, explore that in the book also. Are there other elements from your own story uh, or your family's story that sort of uh, found their way into this plot line? You know, I get asked that question a lot. With the last cowgirl, there were a lot of uh, autobiographical elements to that, even though I kept saying, oh, no, 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 it's fiction, it's fiction. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that a lot of elements do find of my own life do find their way in, and sometimes I'm not even aware of what those are. That was one that I uh, specifically chose to bring in, but a lot of times I'm not aware of what they are. I did want to explore motherhood because I chose not to be a mother and I did want to explore it from the aspect of women who struggle with it. Uh, that wasn't necessarily um, an element of my life, uh, but, but it was in a way. So those elements that I'm thinking about, playing with, uh, writing about, they do find a way in there. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're speaking with author Jana Richmond about her book, The Ordinary Truth. It's our selection for Utah Lit in January. If you'd like to join us, even if you haven't finished the book com completely, we'd love to get your input, um, questions about uh, the plot and um, the characters and the themes that are certainly uh, part of this book. Um, you can send your thoughts along to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. Put them in the comments section at sltrib.com or check out our Facebook page at Utah Lit. Um, well, let's talk about some of the things that maybe didn't work for you. Um, Ellen, uh, what did not sound quite right or didn't um, convince you uh, of, this, of the uh, authenticity of the story? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about some authorial choices um, because to me the um, first-person narrators, after a while I got um, tripped up by the variety of first-person narrators. I often found myself having to go back to the first of the chapter to see who it was versus feeling like I knew this character well enough and that her voice was distinctive enough. And I'm really interested about that choice, about why, um, Jana, you decided to have all those first-person narrators and all of them um, talking to me in that expositional way versus um, a more scenic kind of narrative-driven way. So I'd love to hear more about why that choice was made about those women. It's a great question, Ellen. I, I, I wrote it that way because that's the way the story came to me, and I, I kept struggling with the narrator, and at first I thought it was going to be in Cassie's voice, and in Cassie's voice alone. And, um, but Cassie didn't have enough information. She, all these secrets had been kept from her, so she wasn't going to be the right narrator. Mm -hmm. Then I thought it was going to be in Kate's voice, but Kate, uh, was holding a lot of information back. She wasn't admitting, she wasn't talking to anybody. And so I thought, well, she's not going to work for a narrator. I, I, I started in Nell's voice, um, but Nell, as, as Ona likes to say, likes to twist the truth every time it comes out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. she wasn't going to be a good narrator. I really was hearing it in, in the four voices. 
Um, it, 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 I thought at some point I would go back and change it maybe to a third person uh, narration, but it, I felt I was hearing those voices so strongly that I decided to leave it in that in that way. And I did really struggle, especially with Ona and and Nell, to make their voices um, clear, to make those so that so that you wouldn't have to go back to the beginning and check <laughs> yeah. to see who's yeah. talking. But they are two women who are the same age, who grew up the same way, who came from the same place, who've lived on the same land, and so that they were the most challenging voices to uh, specify. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, one of the places where I think it works so well, I think the penultimate scenes um, when the family is at Hamblin Flat, and I'm trying really hard not to give anything away because I'd like to invite everyone who hasn't finished reading the book to know that these scenes really take on a lot of urgency and pacing and the different narrators really help in in telling the complicated story that comes out for the family at mm -hmm. um, at the family campground, and so I think that that those various narrators that story comes together in that place. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, in a way, this book is filled with um, unreliable or nearly unreliable narrators. Um, we learn as readers what we can trust and what we can't trust, and it almost takes reading the whole book once before we know in the ways in which our narrators are unreliable. I, I mean, I, f I share that sort of pacing um, uh, uh, perception from Ellen. I mean, at, toward the end, I felt like it was a real page turner, and I wondered mm -hmm. if, if that's how you felt in the writing, Jana. Was it just sort of coming out, or did you struggle during those uh, final chapters? Oh, I always struggle. <laughs> I wish it all just came out easily, but it but it doesn't. Uh, it, it's you know many 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 rewrites and and I think it the characters do begin to speak to me and they do begin to uh, take on their own personalities and I try to get out of the way and let that happen but during those scenes uh, it takes many rewrites for me to work in that sort of intensity where it's finally really working on the page Mm -hmm. Yeah, can I just inject Please. a question here? I'm, I'm just curious. So would you say that you're, as a writer, more character-driven or more plot-driven? I mean, which is harder for you? I, I, as you can see from the first question where I had difficulty <laughs> telling what the plot was, <laughs> um, right. I'm definitely more character-driven, yes. Yeah. And what, what, uh, what do you see as a, a, perhaps a weakness in this book? Well, I, you know, I, I, as a person who writes myself, I am always aware of what I struggle with when I read somebody else's work, and and I think for me a little, maybe a little bit of the pacing issue right at first as well. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the flashbacks, you know, because they were so crucial to to the story, and it was a way of getting to know all of the characters. Um, you know, but at times I, I felt like it slowed down the action just a little bit. But I agree that by the time I got to the middle of the book, I really was. I was really reading quickly, like I was reading to find out what happened, and I and I loved that. I loved being caught up that way by it. The one thing, though, um, I, I noticed later in the book is sort of the suddenness uh, in the behavioral changes of the characters. It seems like these characters have been living 
internally for many, many years, none of them sharing pretty much anything about them, their internal lives. And then all of a sudden, it was almost like a switch, you know. Um, one character really reveals a secret that she's held for 40, 50 years mm -hmm. to um, another character who has another secret. And um, all of these secrets sort of start gushing out immediately. Um, for me, that was just... Um, a little bit unbelievable and I don't know how you felt Jana I mean obviously at some point we need to know what's going on uh, the internal dynamics are crucial they're central to this book um, but I don't know it felt a little bit abrupt to me uh -huh. Jana, I mean um, uh, any thoughts on that uh, well uh, for me the trigger for all of that gushing out suddenly is the water issue because the water mm. issue is huge I mean the water issue has the capability of ending their lives as they as they know their lives and so the trigger for that is suddenly they're faced with possibly the end of you know six five six generations of ranching the same land they're faced with possibly the end of that life and so I think think that's the the emotional trigger that forces this and the other thing is Cassie I mean Cassie is saying I'm tired of the secrets I'm done with the secrets I don't know what they are I don't know what's going on I've never known what's going on in my family I love the people in my family but they are really messed up and I am sick of it so she's going away to college that's another trigger so it's kind of um, I, th I think it's the convergence of those things that make people start talking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are some comments um, from our Facebook page, Judith Griffin. It's one great, great read. Don't let the description of water issues turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, um, if it, it deals with serious social policy, that can be a turnoff in fiction. I mean, were you afraid of that, Jana? In some ways, yes. I don't consider myself an environmental writer, and I wasn't trying to make this book a book about an environmental issue. But the water issue is something that all Westerners have to deal with, whether you want to or not, because we live in the arid West, and it's it's increasingly a a huge issue. Um, but it's not really overall an environmental story or a story about water or trying to tell anyone how to think about that issue again it's it's one of those great places where there's a lot of tension there's a lot of controversy there's a collision of values and those are just good places to write I have to say I actually found the water issue uh, component of the story really really interesting I mean I wouldn't have thought that going into it but that was a piece of it I enjoyed a lot Mm -hmm. I, I want to jump in and to Please. underscore, uh, I love the fact that we're using the word gushing out to describe the plot. <laughs> I love the fact that we have some, some literal metaphors going on in our conversation. The other thing I would say is, I just wanted to say that Jana is, for me as a reader, the place where it feels like you as a writer light up is in your descriptions of the place. Yeah. And I, do, I just think that's, that's really rich and takes on such weight in this book, the way that the narrators describe the place that they live. And I, I think that's a, a beautiful part of this book. Go ahead, yeah. Jennifer. Oh, I was just going to have Jana read a, a very short passage. We, our, our time is flying by, but um, <laughs> this is a very short passage, sort of um, describing exactly what you said, Ellen, about uh, the description of the land. It's, it's very lyrical. Um, this is on page 51. Uh, Jana, would you mind? Sure. 
and, and thank you for saying that, Ellen, because I really struggle with um, writing descriptions of place. I, the characters start talking and dialogue comes more easily for me, but writing a description of a place is uh, challenging for me, so I work very hard at it. Um, this is in Nell's voice, and she's just kind of sitting out in her uh, pasture, and uh, so here's what she's seeing. A vulture makes several passes overhead, low enough that I can see the red beak and the white etching on the underside of its wings. It catches a thermal like a surfer catching a wave, rising with each pass. The pivot gurgles and spits, clearing its pipes, sounding like an old man first thing in the morning. <laughs> Birds chatter. Sprinklers chug in the next field over. The Shell Creek Mountains on the west and the Snake Creek Range on the east enfold me and Jasper into the scene, my literal slice of life. I just think that's really mm -hmm. great. Puts you in that place, um, and, and there are many, many um, instances in this book that I felt like I was there. Um, a couple more comments, Barbara Richardson. What a great read and a fab pick for Utah readers. Um, Kim Player just finished this remarkable book. Can't wait to hear what other readers have to say about it. Um, here's a comment at sltrib.com. A question for Jana. Nell found the secret treehouse that was her special place with her father. Why did you choose to not have Nell share the piss pot springs, which was her spe special secret place with Henry? Uh, share it with um, Kate, you mean? Um, I, 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 I'm not sure. Uh, let me think about that question for a minute. Okay. Nell found. <laughs> I'm not sure I know the answer to that. Um, uh, I I think that Nell Nell's personality was that she needed, wanted, absolutely must have Henry to herself. She did never wanted to share Henry with Kate, um, which was part of the problem all throughout the book. And so uh, I, I think at that point in time when she discovered Kate's special place with Henry, I think she felt a certain peace about it and came to terms with it, but uh, probably still held on to her, her need to have that specialness with Henry that nobody else had. Mm -hmm. um, other questions, Anne, Ellen? Um, I just want to underscore something that Anne said earlier, and that is, I love the way the character that we don't see, Henry, becomes a ghost, and that Kate, as an adult, realizes that she's um, created memories that that um, make her father perfect. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't she doesn't have any way to negotiate that with with a real man, and so so that whole character, who's off scene throughout the novel. Um, gets developed beautifully and in an uncomplicated way by all yeah. the people who love him. And I think that was a really rich choice. Mm -hmm. Anne? I just, I'm just curious about what your writing schedule looks like. Like, what does your writing day look like? Uh, which one? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say that I have this great writing schedule where I sit down and I write three or four hours every morning. It's not, uh, it's not that. I would love for it to be that, but it's kind of crazy. I write when I can, where I can. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the middle of a book like this, I do write every day because I, I don't want those characters to step too far away from me. 
So right. uh, in the middle of a heavy project like this, I will make sure I write every day, even if it's only for a half hour. But my schedule is pretty just whenever I can fit it in, I write. Mm -hmm. And what are you working on now? I'm working on a collection of essays now. Great. Wow. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, I, before I let you go, uh, the title, The Ordinary Truth, what does it mean? Ah, well, what do you think it means? Um, it's very clearly explored in the passage it where Nell is talking about. I hear her say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think it I, I think that, you know, it, it is that it seems like the ordinary truth would be so simple to live with the ordinary truth and it's not it's so complex and it very seldom just comes out as ordinary truth and so I was just kind of uh, toying with those ideas of uh, secrets and and twists in truth well Jana Richmond thank you it's been a pleasure thanks for your generosity and for accepting uh, a couple of uh, um, uh, more critical comments. Uh, you, you're a good sport. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great. And thank you for choosing the book. It's been a great, it's a great time. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good read. Ann Cannon and Ellen Weiss, thank you also for your time. Jennifer, can we talk about next month's selection? Yes. Save the date. Our next Utah Lit Gathering will be on February 28th. That's also a Friday, last Friday of the month. And our selection is actually going to be a couple of books from young adult author Sarah Zarr. Um, Ellen, give us a teaser. Those titles are What We Lost and Roomies. Roomies, um, Sarah co-wrote with another writer, and it was just published last month. What We Lost was published in 2009. And it's the story of a pastor's kid in a small western town who is trying to figure out what's going on as her family is falling apart and as a young girl in town goes missing. So there's some local resonances to stories that we're all familiar with. And Roomies is the story of two um, women graduating from high school who um, develop a long distance friendship um, without meeting yet of the of, with the woman who's going to be their um, college roommate. Okay. So I think those will be interesting and it'll give us a chance to consider um, young adult writers in Utah and why they're so popular and why we keep um, finding more all the time of great young adult books. Okay, again, that's February 28th. You'll see ongoing coverage at sltrib.com in the paper. Um, and also check out our Utah Lit Facebook page for updates. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce. Thanks very much for tuning in to Utah Lit today, and we'll see you next month.